Welcome to PsalmsCast. I am Denise. Today is the 23rd day of March. Welcome to spring. It's great to be here today. Today we are going to be journeying through Psalm 23, Psalm 53, Psalm 83, Psalm 113, and Psalm 143. I'm reading from the Message Translation of the Bible. At the end of today's podcast, for those who desire to go deeper into God's Word, where we are watching the Lord God show the whole world that the man-made worship deities of Egypt are false gods as he is the only God. We are in the book of Exodus chapter 10. Let's take just a brief moment to invite the Lord to be our focus. Father, we thank you that you have invited us here into your presence, into your holy word. We are coming humbly because we are seeking you, Lord. We are desperate to know you and to be known by you. We desire to draw near to you, to experience your mercy and your grace in the midst of what we have on our plate before us this day. Open our minds and open our hearts to what is here in your word, to encourage us, to correct us. Transform our life, Lord. Lead, guide, and illuminate as we journey today. Psalm 23 God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Psalm 53 Bilbis and bloated, they gas. God is gone. It's poisonous gas. They foul themselves. They poison rivers and skies. Thistles are their cash crop. God sticks his head out of heaven. He looks around. He's looking for someone not stupid. One man even, God expectant. Just one God-ready woman. He comes up empty. A string of zeros. Useless, unshepherded. Sheep taking turns, pretending to be shepherd. The ninety-nine follow the one. Don't they know anything, all these predators? Don't they know they can't get away with this? Treating people like a fast food meal over which they're too busy to pray? Night is coming for them and nightmare. A nightmare they'll never wake up from. God will make hash of these squatters, sending them packing for good. Is there anyone around to save Israel? God turns life around. Turn around Jacob skips rope. Turn around Israel sings laughter. Psalm 83 God, don't shut me out. Don't give me the silent treatment, O God. Your enemies are out there whooping it up 
The God-haters are living it up. They're plotting to do your people in, conspiring to rob you of your precious ones. Let's wipe this nation from the face of the earth, they say. Scratch Israel's name off the books. And now they're putting their heads together, making plans to get rid of you. Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gabal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the Tyrians. And now Assyria has joined up, giving muscle to the gang of Lot. Do to them what you did to Midian, to Susria and Jabin at the Kishon Brook. They came to a bad end at Edor, nothing but dung for the garden. Cut down their leaders as you did Oreb and Zeb, their princes to nothings like Zeba and Zalmunna, with their empty brags, we're grabbing it all, grabbing God's gardens for ourselves. My God, I've had it with them. Blow them away. Tumbleweeds in the desert waste, charred sticks in the burnt over ground. Knock the breath right out of them so they're gasping for breath, gasping God. Bring them to the end of their rope and leave them there dangling, helpless, Then they'll learn your name, God, the one and only high God on earth. Psalm 113 Hallelujah! You who serve God, praise God. Just to speak His name is praise. Just to remember God is a blessing, now and tomorrow and always. From east to west, From dawn to dusk, keep lifting all your praises to God. God is higher than anything and anyone, outshining everything you can see in the skies. Who can compare with God, our God, so majestically enthroned, surveying His magnificent heavens and earth? He picks up the poor from out of the dirt, rescues the forgotten who've been thrown out with the trash, Seats them among the honored guests, a place of honor among the brightest and best. He gives childless couples a family. He gives them joy as the parents of children. Hallelujah. And our final psalm for today is Psalm 143. Listen to this prayer of mine. God, pay attention to what I'm saying. Answer me. You're famous for your answers. Do what's right for me. But don't, please don't, haul me into court. Not a person alive would be acquitted there. The enemy hunted me down. He kicked me and stomped me within an inch of my life. He put me in a black hole, buried me like a corpse in that dungeon. I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away my heart heavy like lead. I remembered the old days, went over all you've done, pondered the ways you've worked, stretched out my hands to you, as thirsty for you as a desert thirsty for rain. Hurry with your answer, God. I'm nearly at the end of my rope. Don't turn away. Don't ignore me. That would be certain death. If you wake me each morning with the sound of your loving voice, I'll go to sleep each night trusting in you. Pour out the road I must travel. 
I'm all ears, all eyes before you. Save me from my enemies, God. You're my only hope. Teach me how to live to please you because you're my God. Lead me by your blessed spirit into cleared and level pasture land. Keep up your reputation, God. Give me life. In your justice, get me out of this trouble. In your great love, vanquish my enemies. Make a clean sweep of those who harass me. And why? Because I'm your servant. As I was preparing for today, um, I read something from A.W. Tozer. It was an article called Time with God. And I wanted to share it today because it just really, something that really hit me today. Moses was dead, but the God of Moses still lived. Nothing had changed and nothing had been lost. Nothing of God dies when a man of God dies. Here we acknowledge, and there is fear and wonder in the thought, the essential unity of God's nature, the timeless persistence of His changeless being throughout eternity and time. Here we begin to see and feel the eternal continuum. Begin where we will, God is there first. He is Alpha and Omega. I am often caused to wish that there were some way to bring modern Christians into a deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons. But such wishes are vain. No shortcuts exist. God has not bowed to our nervous haste nor embraced the methods of our machine age. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give time to him. He must count no time wasted, which is spent in the cultivation of his acquaintance. We talk of him much and loudly, but we secretly think of him as being absent, and we think of ourselves as inhabiting a parathensetic interval between the God who was and the God who will be, and we are lonely with an ancient and cosmic loneliness. We are each like a little child lost in a crowded market who has strayed but a few feet from its mother, yet because she cannot be seen, the child is inconsolable. So we try by every method devised to relieve our fears and heal our hidden sadness, but with all of our efforts, we remain unhappy still, with the settled despair of man alone in a vast and deserted universe." And that was from A.W. Tozer, The Divine Conquest. It does reference two verses from John 17. The first is John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. The second one is John chapter 17, verse 11. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for this season that we're in as we move toward Easter. 
the season of kind of sitting with what it has cost to have our salvation, we invite you into that. We consecrate this day to you. We ask that you would make it holy. We ask you to continue to set us apart, to sanctify us, to renew us, we pray. We invite you into everything that we are, all that we do, all that we say, all that we think and feel, our secret doubt. We invite you into all of it. Come, Jesus, we pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, for those who desire to go deeper into God's Word at the very end of the podcast today, we're journeying into Exodus chapter 10 as God continues to crush more of the false deities of Egypt before Pharaoh. So as we're wrapping up, remember, if you have questions, you want to make comments, if you would like us to be praying for you, or you would like to receive a Bible, The number to dial or text is 470-240-1509. If you're outside the United States, I recommend you use WhatsApp, and that number is 1-470-240-1509. You can also connect using one of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or MeWe. Psalmscast is on all of them. That's it for today. I am Denise. I love you. I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Going deeper into the Word of God begins in five seconds. Going deeper into the Word of God, Exodus chapter 10. Oh, friends, that all the people in our life would truly know that there is a God over the entire world, that Our being plopped into this moment in time is just not some random fluke of nature or as the result of an experiment in a Petri dish. Psalm 139 testifies that God has known us since before we were formed in our mother's womb. Each one of us matters and God does have a purpose and a plan for our life if we are willing to receive it. As we have been considering how the living God, Yahweh, The I Am set forth to show the entire world that He and He alone is the one true God. He sent two unlikely but willing men in the form of Moses, who had lived in the court of Pharaoh as a boy and a young man, and his brother Aaron. God wants even today to show us that the fake imaginative gods and goddesses of man are imitations. They may have the power of demons, but only he and he alone is God. The best way to do that would be to go head to head with the one who was considered to be godlike in that time, which was Pharaoh. It was really simple. God told Pharaoh to let my people, the Hebrews, the son of Jacob, Israel, go to worship him. But Pharaoh did not believe God. Pharaoh's culture was pagan, and they worshiped many gods and goddesses. So God used the ten plagues to prove that those were just fakes, and they had absolutely, as in zero, power. So let's recap the plagues that we've gone through so far and which Egyptian gods or goddesses that have been proven to be worthless. 
Strike one was against the Egyptian god of the river, Happy, depicted in Egyptian writing as a water bearer. This river, the Nile, is what brought drinking water into Egypt as well as the rich soil into the land. This was a punishment. God turned the entire Nile into blood for seven days and he killed all the fish. Strike two was against the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, and renewal, Heket, and she's depicted in Egyptian writing as a woman with the head of a frog. This was a warning. God issued a warning first. He warned Pharaoh, if you refuse to release them, I'm warning you, I'll hit the whole country with frogs. And yes, God sent frogs, frogs, frogs throughout the land of Egypt. They were in their bedrooms and even where food was prepared. And only God was able to make the frogs die. Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, pray to God to rid us of these frogs. Then we have strike number three, which is against the Egyptian god of the earth, Geb. And he was the god over the dust of the earth. This one was a punishment. God instructed Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and strike the dust. The dust will turn into gnats all over Egypt. And gnats, some translations say lice, covered the humans and animals across Egypt. Then strike number four is against the Egyptian god of creation, Kepri, depicted in Egyptian writing as a man with the head of a fly. This one, again, God gave warning first. He did not just drop the punishment. He gave warning. He promised to release a swarm of flies on Pharaoh, his servants, his people, and their homes if Pharaoh would not let his people go. The houses of the Egyptians and even the ground under their feet was thick with flies. But in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites lived, it was totally fly-free. And Pharaoh once again summons Moses to pray to God to make the flies leave. Then we have strike five, which is against the Egyptian goddess of love and protection named Hathor. She appears in Egyptian writing depicted with the head of a cow. And again, God is merciful, and he, first of all, tells Pharaoh to let my people go. But he says, if you refuse to release them and continue to hold on to them, I'm giving you fair warning. God will come down hard on your livestock out of the fields, horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, striking them with a severe disease. And of course, Pharaoh didn't let them go. So all Egypt's livestock died, but not one of the livestock of the Israelites was impacted by this. Then in strike number six is against the Egyptian goddess of medicine and peace, who is Isis. And this was a punishment. There was no warning. God instructed Moses to take fistfuls of soot from a furnace and throw it into the air right before Pharaoh's eyes, and that that dust would become a film of fine dust all over Egypt and cause sores or boils on the people and animals throughout Egypt. And just the Egyptians were impacted by these boils and sores, thus making them unclean And none of the magicians or sorcerers were able to go before 
Pharaoh, only Moses and Aaron could appear before him. So in strike seven, God again goes against the Egyptian goddess of the sky, whose name is Nut. This was a warning. Again, God had Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But he said, at this time tomorrow, if you don't let them go, I'm sending a terrific hailstorm, and it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. And so you need to get your livestock under a roof and your people. Otherwise, they're going to die. And what's interesting about this one is that there were some of Pharaoh's officials who heard this word of the Lord spoken to Pharaoh, and they took God's word. They took God, they took God at his word, and they took their people and their livestock into their houses in order to save them. And yes, this was a horrific storm that devastated the land, and it kept coming down. And so Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron to ask God to stop this hailstorm. So we have seen punishment, and then we have seen warnings followed by consequences. And friends, I do want to point out that there is a prophetic implication to what we are seeing here with how God dealt with a pagan culture that was in Egypt. We know from the book of Revelation that our world will experience another season of testing where God will send judgments among the sons of man. So as I read this next chapter and we get into a couple more plagues that God sent, simply allow God's words of wisdom here to wash over you and through you, trusting the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention that that he wants you to discern today. Remember, the purpose of this section is for you to learn from the Holy Spirit how to apply God's truth in your life. Exodus chapter 10, strike eight, locus. God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. I've made him stubborn, him and his servants, so that I could force him to look at these signs. And so you'll be able to tell your children and grandchildren how I toyed with the Egyptians like a cat with a mouse. You'll tell them the stories of the signs that I brought down on them so that you'll all know that I am God. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, God, the God of the Hebrews says, how long are you going to refuse to knuckle under? Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release my people, watch out. Tomorrow I'm bringing locusts into your country. They'll cover every square inch of ground. No one will be able to see the ground. They'll devour everything left over from the hellstorm, even the saplings out in the fields. They'll clear-cut the trees, and they'll invade your houses, filling the houses of your servants, filling every house in Egypt. No one will have ever seen anything like this from the time your ancestors first set foot on this soil until today. Then he turned on his heel and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long are you going to let this man harass us? 
Let these people go and worship their God. Can't you see that Egypt is on its last legs? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. He said to them, Go ahead then, go worship your God. But just who exactly is going with you? Moses said, We're taking young and old, sons and daughters, flocks and herds. This is our worship celebration of God. He said, I'd sooner send you off with God's blessing than let you go with your children. Look, you're up to no good. It's written all over your faces. No way. Just the men are going. Go ahead and worship God. That's what you want so badly. And they were thrown out of Pharaoh's presence. God said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over Egypt and signal the locusts to cover the ground of Egypt, devouring every blade of grass in the country, everything that the hail didn't get. Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt. God let loose the east wind. It blew that day and night. By morning, the east wind had brought in the locusts. The locusts covered the country of Egypt settling over every square inch of Egypt. The place was thick with locusts. There never was an invasion of locusts like it in the past and never will be again. The ground was completely covered, black with locusts. They ate everything, every blade of grass, every piece of fruit, anything that the hail didn't get, nothing left but bare trees and bare fields not a sign of green in the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh had Moses and Aaron back in no time. He said, I've sinned against your God and against you. Overlook my sin one more time. Pray to your God to get me out of this. Get death out of here. Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to God. God reversed the wind. A powerful west wind took the locusts and dumped them into the Red Sea. There wasn't a single locust left in the whole country of Egypt. But God made Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He still didn't release the Israelites. Strike 9. Darkness God said to Moses, Stretch out your hand to the skies. Let darkness descend on the land of Egypt. A darkness so dark you can touch it. Moses stretched out his hand to the skies. Thick darkness descended on the land of Egypt for three days. Nobody could see anybody. For three days, no one could so much as move, except for the Israelites. They had light where they were living. Pharaoh called in Moses, Go and worship God. Leave your flocks and herds behind. Go ahead and take your children. But Moses said, You have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us so that we can sacrifice them in worship to our God. Our livestock has to go with us with not a hoof left behind. They are part of the worship of our God, and we don't know just what will be needed until we get there. But God kept Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He didn't agree to release them. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight and watch your step. I don't want to ever see you again. If I lay eyes on you again, you're dead. Moses said, Have it your way. You won't see my face again. Obviously, strike number seven really unsettled the people and the advisors of Egypt because 
So we're up to strike number eight, which is going to be against the god of storms and disorder, whose name Seth. And again, Moses and Aaron appear before Pharaoh, and Moses and Aaron give Pharaoh the warning, let my people go, or, and then they lay out what's going to happen. And this time, it's locusts. And they say, you know, it's going to, they're going to come and they're going to destroy everything. And yet, Pharaoh says no. And he sends Moses and Aaron away. But Pharaoh's advisors tell him that if the locusts come and do what Moses said, then they're going to be devastated. So Pharaoh calls back in Moses and Aaron and asks them, okay, who is going to go worship? And Moses says, everybody's going to go worship. And Pharaoh says, no, only the men can go. And he throws them out of his presence. And as a result, God sends the locusts and they take everything. That second wave of destruction that followed the hail and whatever crops were left intact after the hail are now completely consumed by the swarms of locusts that are unleashed from the sky. And this wonder definitely affected their life source. By hitting them in their food supply, the Lord displayed the possibility of imminent death if a change of heart did not occur. And as a result, when Pharaoh sees what's happening, he urgently sends for Moses and Aaron and begs them, says, I've sinned against God. You can go worship. Just make the locust stop. So again, Moses and Aaron, Moses asked God to stop the locust. And once again, Pharaoh says no after the locusts have been gone from the area. Strike nine is now up to bat. And this one is a punishment. And it is against the sun God, the Egyptian sun god of Ra. And um, this is three days of complete darkness. And this happens after as a result of Pharaoh reneging. And this one definitely is a punishment. Pharaoh receives no warning that this is going to happen. It just happens as a consequence, which appears to be a pattern. This darkness is not our normal nighttime darkness where we turn out all the lights at night. This is three days, about 72 hours of palpable darkness. It is so immense that it can be physically felt, and it covered the land of Egypt but did not affect the Israelites. The sun, the most worshipped god in Egypt, other than Pharaoh himself, gave no light. The Lord showed that he had control over the sun as a witness that the God of Israel had ultimate power over life and death. One source stated that the psychological and religious impacts would have been of a profound influence on the Egyptians at this point because darkness was a representation of death. And again, we see Pharaoh urgently sending for Moses and Aaron. And he says, hey, you can you can go. You can all your people can go, but only your flocks and herds, they have to stay behind. And Moses responds, you must also let us take 
all of our stocks and herds because we need them in order to prepare for the burnt offerings and sacrifices for our Lord God. And nothing is going to be left behind here because we will not know what we will use to worship the Lord until we get there. And Pharaoh says, no, that's not happening. Get out of my sight. I don't ever want to see you again. And if I lay my eyes on you again, you're dead. Wow. This is pretty huge. And I think that something that by throwing them out and saying, hey, I don't ever want to see you again. You're dead if I see you again. God now is going to do what he knew that he was always going to do. And that's what we're going to learn about tomorrow.